every professional football fan who witnessed this event on December the 23rd, 1972, remembers it. It was one of those unforgettable experiences. I remember watching that game with my uncle, big football fan, and he and I were watching the playoffs a couple of days before Christmas. And it was certainly one of the most bizarre plays in NFL history. They later referred to it as the Immaculate Reception. And it literally turned around a pro football franchise. Prior to this incredible play, the Pittsburgh Steelers had been the laughingstock of the National Football League for 40 years. In fact, during that four-decade period, they had never even won a single playoff game. After the Immaculate Reception, however, it was a different story. As our Bishop Thomas Tobin would happily tell you, along with Father Dean Perry, both of them big Steeler fans. In fact, our Bishop has a house, a home on the Wampanoag Trail in East Providence. He has a huge Steeler banner in front of his house. That's how big a fan he is. But they would happily tell you after December 23rd, 1972, Pittsburgh went on to win many playoff games and four Super Bowls in six years, much to the chagrin of Green Bay Packer fans like me and New England Patriot fans like so many of you. This event took place with 22 seconds left on the clock. The Steelers trailed the Oakland Raiders 7-6, but they did have the ball on their own 40-yard line. Problem was, it was 4th and ten. For the few in the congregation who might not know football, that means they had one play left to go 10 yards or the game was over. Quarterback Terry Bradshaw at that point took the snap from center. He dropped back to pass, but he was very quickly forced out of the pocket by the strong Raider rush. He ran to the right, continued to look downfield. Finally, he spotted one of his running backs at the Raiders 35, a man named Frenchie Fuqua. So he threw him the ball. However, just as Fuqua was about to catch it, he was hit very hard by Raiders defensive back Jack Tatum. The ball hit Tatum, took a wild bounce right up into the air. Most people thought that the play and the game were over at that point. However, just before the ball hit the ground, a rookie running back who's now in the Hall of Fame named Franco Harris plucked it, literally plucked it out of the air and ran 42 yards downfield into the end zone for the winning touchdown. The Steelers won the game 13-7. to Now, why do I recount this story of the Immaculate reception on the Feast of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. It's not for the purpose of confusing you, although admittedly this feast day is confusing to many people. The Immaculate Conception refers to Mary's conception in the womb of her mother and Some Catholics mistakenly think that the feast refers to Jesus' conception in the womb of his mother Mary, which of course is actually the Annunciation. It's the event we heard about in today's Gospel. A couple of days ago, believe it or not, I got a call from the Westerly Police Station. 
two officers of the law in Westerly, I won't say were having an argument, they were having a discussion of this matter. One of them said it was Mary, one of them said it was Jesus. I set them straight. I won't tell you who was right and who was wrong. Now, it's very fitting that the story of the Annunciation is read on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception because the Immaculate Conception prepared Mary for the Annunciation, for that moment when Gabriel appeared to her and asked her to be the mother of the Savior. God saved Mary and preserved her from every stain of original sin. That's what the Immaculate Conception means. So that she would be a pure and holy vessel, a pure and holy tabernacle, if you will, through which the Savior would come into the world. But that still doesn't answer the question I posed a few moments ago. Why this story of the Immaculate Reception on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception? Well, it's really very simple. Franco Harris, the running back, received a tremendous gift, and I think he would tell you that. When that football took that wild bounce off Jack Tatum and came into his hands on December the 23rd, 1972. But what's crucial to note here is that when he received that gift, he didn't just stand there. He ran with it. Franco Harris took the gift he had received and he immediately ran with it toward the goal line. Our Blessed Mother received a gift on the day she was immaculately conceived in the womb of her mother Anne. What was the gift? It was the gift of sanctifying grace. Hail Mary, full of grace. Sanctifying grace is the gift that her son, Jesus Christ, would win for the world by his passion, death, and resurrection. She was privileged to receive it before those events took place by a gift of God. But what makes Mary such an inspiration and role model for all of us is that she took that gift and she ran with it. And not just for a few moments like Franco Harris did. She ran with that gift for the rest of her life. As we all know, she was never tackled, she was never knocked out of bounds by sin. She was sinless throughout her life. She said yes to the Lord in every situation. When we come into the world at birth, we are not preserved from original sin as Mary was. We are not immaculately conceived. I think some people today think they are, but they're not. None of us is. But we do receive the gift that Mary received, this gift of sanctifying grace, the gift you need to get into heaven. We receive that gift into our souls when we are baptized. And we are supposed to run with that gift in the same way that Mary ran with the gift, by living a life of radical, complete, total holiness and obedience to God. But we don't. In fact, that's why we're here this morning. It's because we're imperfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need to be sitting in a church. Even after original sin is taken away, we suffer from the residual effects of that sin, what theologians call concupiscence, the inclination to do what's wrong. And we all know that. 
How often do we feel that tug toward what's wrong? We feel it every day. And so, unlike Mary, we do sometimes stumble on our journey to the goal line, on our run to the goal line of eternal life by committing venial sins. At other times, we may actually go completely out of bounds, so to speak, by committing a mortal sin. Just think, for example, how many Catholics commit mortal sins by failing to come to Mass on holy days. This church should be full right now. There should be standing room only. Let me summarize it in this way. Franco Harris, all those years ago, got one chance to run with his gift to the goal line. Mary, our Blessed Mother, only needed one chance to run with her gift toward the Kingdom of Heaven. Thankfully, we all get lots of chances. In fact, we get as many chances as we need to run toward the goal, the spiritual goal, of eternal life with Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's the great news of God's mercy. But it's not magic, is it? It's not automatic. The only way to get back onto the field and into the running after we have committed a mortal sin and gone out of bounds is either through perfect contrition, which is very difficult to have, or through sacramental confession. Hopefully we all understand that. And if we do, we need to pass it on to Catholics out there who don't know it. Holy Mary, Mother of God, on this beautiful feast of your Immaculate Conception, we ask you to pray for us. Pray for us that we will always be honest with ourselves. And in that honesty, recognize when Satan has knocked us out of bounds through mortal sin. And pray too, Mary, that after we come to that recognition, we won't despair. Pray for us, rather, that we will have the good sense to repent and make a good confession and get back in the game and on the run so that someday we will happily reach our goal as you happily reached yours. Amen.